everybody. Welcome. I'm AJ Alvarez. I'm the director of Latin Marketing here at Symphonic. And today with me, I have Jordan Maffi from Beatport. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have you here, actually. Um, Jordan is a curator with Beatport. She is the former executive editor of Nest, Nest HQ um, and also a former host of Insomniac Radio. Currently, she curates a number of genres, including dance, electro pop, dubstep, hard dance, hardcore, and so many more. Um, and she's also a curator in her own right, uh, launching her monthly hardcore playlist series, Serious Damage, last year. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and she is a graduate uh, with a bachelor's degree in journalism from San Diego University, San Diego State, excuse me, uh, University. Uh, and she continues to find new methods of storytelling for the electronic music community, which is what we're talking about today. So I'm very excited to have you here. Um, seeing as we only have 15 minutes, I'm going to jump right in. That's okay. Perfect. So much of the conversation at the DSPs where visibility is concerned is around playlists. Uh, driving this conversation is the notion of discoverability, where the audience is first encountering the music. Beatport stands out as playlists, per se, are not a discovery point on the platform. Uh, where are some of the interesting spaces on the platform driving artist discovery at the moment? So I'd actually argue that the playlists on Beatport are a discovery point on the platform, but they're not called playlists, they're called charts. So I think I'm not exactly sure how many artists know about creating charts and what that does, um, but every week as a curator, I create multiple charts for each of my genres, including the best new music for each genre. We have a weekly marketing campaign. It's a different theme every week. So like peak hour tracks, closing essentials, future classics, and more where we create a chart for each genre as well. And we are always creating Beatport link playlists, which are designed to be used for DJ sets. Um, and so at Beatport, curators are encouraged to feature the best music, regardless of whether the artist is a big name or not. So we're often adding new and up and coming artists to our playlists. Um, for all of our best new music charts, we add those same picks to Spotify. So those artists can be featured there on our Spotify account as well. We currently have about 150,000 followers on our Spotify account, and we've got 30 different playlists on Spotify for each of the genres as well. So I'd say that we are a discoverability point on Beatport itself, uh, I think that people need to just navigate it and see charts and be like, oh, those are just playlists that are made on Beatport. Um, and so, like I said, as a curator, we're able to feature anything. I've seen artists that I've put into like the best new big room Spotify playlist. They reach the top 10 in the big room charts um, and they have never seen that level of support before. So I think that's a good example of what artists can achieve on, on Beatport and on our Spotify playlists. Totally. How, how do you feel that artists can maximize uh, on their ability to reach fans in those spaces, the chart space? Yeah, um, I mean, first and foremost, if artists are releasing music on Beatport, they should always be promoting the release on socials and providing a link to the release so their listeners can actually purchase their music on Beatport and they can move up in the top 100 charts. Um, and so after they release a new track, new EP, new album, artists should always make a Beatport chart whenever they release new music on the store. Charts are essentially artist curated playlists and they should include like the artist's new release plus some of their favorite music at the moment. The artists, uh, these charts are 
featured in various areas of the store. Uh, I absolutely love it when I see an artist coming out with a new release and they add like 30 tracks to the chart and it's perfect to be used for people who just wanna know what they're listening to right now and to check out their new release. Um, and if the artists uh, are added to our Spotify playlist, it's always great to share the playlist on social media to kind of shout out like, hey, Beatport playlisted me. Totally. I actually came, just thought of a question. Are <laughs> labels able to create DJ charts as well? They can actually. So whenever labels create charts, I think it's great if they make a Beatport link chart. And so that's to be used with our monthly subscription DJ streaming software, Beatport link. Uh, it's fantastic when the labels can feature their artist roster uh, in a chart. But even then, I, I feature label playlists in the genres if I ever get any great ones. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. The only thing is labels don't exactly have too much um, creativity when it comes to their profiles. Um, so I'm not sure if their charts are linked to their profiles, but uh, label profiles should have all of the releases from the label um, and we'll feature them in the different genres. Yeah. Nice. What kinds of tools, um, maybe outside of charts, are artists able to use to be active on the platform um, and where can they go to get started on, with those tools? I'd say if you're an artist releasing on Beatport, you should always make sure that your artist profile is up to date with a fresh bio, your latest press shot, that sort of thing. You can always email Beatport support and we can update those for you. Uh, and before even getting to promoting your release on the platform, artists should always work with their labels and distributors to make sure that their release titles are free of spelling errors, their release artwork doesn't include any inappropriate imagery. Um, in addition to the music being great quality, this is the best way for an artist to get a great feature on the store, just because it kills me inside when I hear a great song that's maybe in big room and the artwork is like a really inappropriate image of a woman who's naked and it just doesn't quite make sense so it's always good to keep that in mind um, and as I mentioned before the artist curated charts are a great way to be active on Beatport it's so super super easy to create anybody with a DJ profile on Beatport can create one that's basically just when you sign up with a username and I'm you know not a professional DJ or anything, but I even create charts under my personal profile just to share the music that I like. Um, and then making sure that their charts don't use the release artwork as the image for the chart. Always use a press shot or something that's different. It's the best way to get it featured on the store or else it just looks like another release. Totally. In addition to that, um, Beatport goes live on Twitch multiple times a week and we absolutely love to see artists interacting with the Twitch chat when we're live. It's a great way to talk to fans and show up for their online DJ community. That is so dope. <laughs> I love that. So is there an art, an area of like marketing or, you know, when an artist is planning their rollout of their release that artists might need to emphasize more, focus more attention on when they're considering you know, pickup and placement on Beatport um, and what helps the new music stand out for you, you know, if it's not the marketing plan? Yeah, um, as far as the marketing plan, I know that there are a ton of artists who release on Beatport who maybe don't have teams for this sort of thing and they might be doing it all by themselves. I'd say that making sure that your distributor sends in a feature request, that's how the curators can see what comes in and what we should feature. So that's a great way for artists to make sure that their music gets considered for feature consideration. Uh, even then, if I don't 
have a release coming in that's asking to be featured, we look at every single thing that comes into the back end. So we're happy to feature any release as long as we love it. And since I curate the EDM genres of Beatport, that includes Big Room, Electro House, Dubstep, Future House, Hard Dance, and more, I'm usually excited to hear something fresh within these genres. And usually the weirder and more experimental the track, the more likely I am to feature it because that's just what I love. Uh, some people argue that EDM genres are a little too formulaic, um, they've become stale, but I have watched so many new trends emerge since I started at Beatport, and it's really exciting to see these changes happen in real time. But spe specifically from a technical standpoint, I'm looking for music that possesses a high quality production standard, such as clean mixed down, well-mixed vocals, a volume that's not too loud or too quiet. It's important for me to recognize these elements since most customers on the store are downloading this music in order to DJ and there is nothing worse than mixing in a track that is way quieter than the last track. So those are important, but as I said before, it's really great to be a curator at Beatport because we are not beholden to, you know, the biggest labels or the biggest artists and what they think we should feature. It can be absolutely anything as long as we think it's good quality. That's great to hear actually. If artists, you know, find themselves with a little extra time on their hands at the moment, obviously a lot of us are finding that time. What are some things that they can be focused on updating or cleaning up or organizing on the platform um, to help them potentially connect with new fans or, you know, clean up their presence uh, on the platform? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, making sure that your artist profile is up to date. Uh, in addition to creating charts and promoting their Beatport releases on social media, Beatport invites a wide range of artists to join our live stream as performers or as active users in the Twitch chat to connect with their fans. So even just showing up on that front is great. We are mostly doing these streams in Berlin, hopefully soon in LA. So to any LA DJs watching, maybe you'll be next. Um, and Beatport actually also has a music blog called Beat Portal, where we love to highlight artists that are new and up and comers and they're influencing dance music in a great way. So I'd say to keep up with Beat Portal would be great, but I love when I get to write an article about some of the greatest tracks in my genres that people might've missed. That's when I get to highlight the smaller artists. And especially if somebody is really active on Beatport and making charts, um, sharing their releases on social media, that usually makes me think like, oh, I really do wanna feature this person and give them a little bit more love, you know? Yeah, that's exciting. So we're closing out here just in just a minute. I wanna know, can you tell us something big that we can look forward to from Beatport in 2021? Honestly, I'm just really excited to watch what's happening with Beatport Link. Um, for those who aren't aware, Beatport Link is a monthly subscription streaming service for DJs. It makes our whole entire catalog accessible to stream audio through DJ equipment. Uh, Beatport Link can be used with Rekordbox DJ, Serato, Virtual DJ, and more. Plus, Link is actually integrated with Denon's uh, DJ players, which is great. There is so much more to come with Beatport Link, and I can't reveal too much about it but it is certainly worth watching for anyone involved in the DJ community. I would love to see what's going to happen with Link in the next few years. It would be a dream to see Beatport Link available in music venues because you wouldn't even as a DJ need to show up with your USB. All of your music is just in your account and your playlists. So for those who don't really know about Link, it would be awesome for you to look into it. I have been having so much fun at home just DJing with Link, uh, getting a lot better <laughs> as the weeks pass since we are all uh, currently stuck at home. So I think that just keeping an eye on Link would be great. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Jordan. We appreciate all the insight. I know that there, a lot of people will be finding some time on their hands. <laughs> their profiles and definitely check out Link. Do you have anything else you want to leave us with? I just say to all the artists who are watching, keep creating music, keep putting out music. It doesn't even matter if you are signed to a label or not. Find a distributor that's going to get your music on Beatport. I just love hearing new music and it seems like the trends are even changing as we've been locked up at home and people have been a little bit more creative. So I'm so grateful that I get to work during this time and I get to work a job that I love and I get to stay connected with the art that I love as well. So just please, please keep creating. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thanks. All right. Hello, everyone. Greg DeVito here from Symphonic Distribution. I am manager of client marketing and streaming promotion. With me, I have Alina Thompson from Pandora. And Alina is a manager of artist marketing and industry relations there. She's been, how long have you been with uh, Pandora, Alina? It has been about two years almost, year and a half, I guess, almost two years. Cool. And so your role mostly involves managing relationships with labels and artist teams, overseeing release plans for new music, securing marketing support, uh, and educating users on new marketing tools. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Cool. Great. Well, thank you for joining us for our playlisting panel here at Symphonic's Virtual Music Industry Sessions. Uh, we have 15 minutes for this conversation, so let's jump right into it. Uh, so for this first segment, we'd like to talk about how artists can build their presence on Pandora, both on-platform and off-platform. So what are the best on-platform practices that artists should be employing to build their presence on your platform? Yeah, so we actually have a lot of great tools that are at the artist's disposal. Pandora really has two platforms for the artist to use. AMP, which is our artist marketing platform, and then okay. NextSound, which is our analytics pl platform. So AMP has three main marketing tools in there that artists can be utilizing as much or as little as they want completely for free. Um, one of those is the artist audio messages, which are basically like liners that they can do. Um, they get to be up to 18 seconds long and they can really amplify whatever marketing initiative you have at the time because you're able to add a URL click-through link, you're able to target by geographic location, um, so there's a lot you can do with these liners from introing new music and telling some story behind the song to doing specific tour stop liners whenever we get to do in-person right. tours again, yeah, right. them to specific cities, um, pointing to an on-demand single or a new album. You can attach them at the beginning or the end of specific songs. So you really have a lot of control over these. They're a great way to enhance any marketing plan and any goal you're working towards. Um, the second piece in AMP is featured tracks, and these are amazing. A featured track basically just means that the algorithm is going to cast a wider net with where it places and programs your song. So you, each artist gets six of these a year, and they run for eight weeks each. So when you go in and do a featured track, it'll run for eight weeks, and we see anywhere from 20 to 200% increase in streams when artists go in and do right. a featured track. Um, and in terms of like a best practice, it's not necessarily something we recommend as a release day strategy, but rather we recommend waiting between four to seven weeks before you go in and feature a track. And that's just so the algorithm has a little bit of time to see where the song's performing well, who's thumbing it up, who's thumbing it down. Mm -hmm. And then after a few of those weeks go by, it'll have a lot of data and it'll just be a more effective featured track opportunity for you. 
Cool. That's yeah, that's great. We we love Pandora AMP here at Symphonic. Um, we include some information on it in all of our marketing plans for artists. So always mm-hmm. giving it a shout out. So a um, couple more questions on AMP one. Um, that's available to any artist, correct? They can go to Pandora AMP and and log in and get access regardless of their label or distribution setup. Yeah, they and every artist has access to AMP. You can go to ampplaybook.com and that is like the holy grail hand guide of everything and anything AMP related. It will show you how to get access to your account. It'll walk you through the liners, the featured tracks, how to do those, best practices. Um, and it'll also tell you about Pandora Stories, which I should have mentioned is also a free feature in AMP. Those are like hosted playlists that the artist can create and go into stories behind their songs. They can pull in their own music. They can pull in any song on Pandora. So they could do a Pandora story about the songs that influenced their upcoming album and talk about, you know, George Strait and Loretta Lynn or whoever they want to pull in um, to that Pandora story. Very cool. And yeah, like I said, we, we encourage all of our artists to take advantage of those great marketing tools available through AMP. Do you feel that the platform is being used by most artists? Do you think uh, it's underutilized, some of those tools? Uh, just curious on, on Pandora's side, because it's something we're always you know, encouraging our artists to use. Yeah, I definitely think it's underutilized. Um, I try to tell as many people about it as I can, especially since it's free. It's definitely right. something where the artists who are really actively using it, I think we definitely see them get out what they put into it. Um, so it's, it's absolutely something we want everyone to take advantage of. It's very, very simple for independent artists who don't have a whole team around them. And then people who do have entire teams around them, that's great. They can probably even, you know, make it even more effective because they can be a little more invested in it, but it's a very user-friendly platform. Cool. Yeah, we, we love it. Uh, so what are some off-platform strategies that you would recommend to help artists then build on Pandora? I think using their platforms to help push to Pandora, right? So like their artist social accounts, their websites, um, really remember that you have an audience at Pandora. So including that in different link trees or icons on a website or social posts so that your fan base who's there can click off to that and go to their account and listen there. Pandora also allows everyone to listen on demand for free. So if you have a paid membership, you don't have to listen to ads and you can still function on demand. But if you are free in the free tier, you can still listen on demand. You just watch like a 30 second ad first. So when artists are promoting to the platform, they could link to an on-demand song and know that everyone is going to be able to go through that link and listen to the song. Cool. Yeah, that's great. And then I guess part two of that question would be, you know, what have you seen work really well in an artist release campaign that's captured your attention, whether that's either on platform or off platform, something clever with the audio liners or something you saw, you know, on their socials that helped drive people to Pandora. If you had any specific examples, that'd be great. Yeah, I think in terms of the liners, something we always see work really well, and even our research team has kind of flagged to us, um, are the intro liners. The artists, introducing a brand new song, giving a few seconds of like context behind the song and what it means, and then asking for that thumbs up. So, hey, I'm so-and-so, you're about to hear my new song, X, it's about blah, blah, blah. If you like it, give it a thumbs up. That we actually see longer time spent listening and higher engagement rates in terms of thumbs on the song that has that type of intro liner. I think it probably taps into that listener relationship of, 
this artist is asking something for me. They want me to give it a thumbs up. That's such a, such an easy thing I can do right. for them. I think it kind of starts to build that relationship there. It catches them in their listening experience and lets them know it's a new song. So they probably won't recognize it, but maybe they're going to be invested enough to listen and check it out and not skip it if they don't recognize it. So that's definitely something that we see work time and time again. Um, and then also the Pandora stories, like the artists who get really creative with those and mm -hmm. come up with, fun themes to build them around, um, who continuously edit them because they can continue to edit them while they're live on platform and build them and grow them and push to them on socials. I think it's such a unique piece of content that artists who are really creative with those, I think see, see a difference too. Cool, that's, that's really helpful. And uh, you've already sort of answered my next question, I believe, but uh, it, it was, you know, what do you look for within the Pandora ecosystem when seeing like, you know, whether you want to add a track to playlists or bigger playlists or stations? Um, so obviously the thumbs up is, is so critical. Are there other metrics that, um, you know, Pandora is paying attention to while considering, you know, any sort of editorial features, any sort of uh, uh, editorial support for, for an artist track? Absolutely. We're looking at a lot of different things, but thumbs is huge. Mm -hmm. to us. That means a listener stopped what they were doing, picked up their phone and thumbed up your song. Right. So it's a great tell on what is reacting. Um, so we definitely are looking at thumbs up percentages, but we're also looking at completion rates and skip rates. We're looking at, you know, where the algorithm is pulling in and artist music on different artist stations. We're looking at, you know, how much on demand activity is there. Um, and we're also looking at things like our predictions charts and our trend, trendsetters charts, which are both algorithmically populated um, and kind of help call attention to artists who are really standing out and popping on platform. Um, and then just, you know, we see the artists who are hustling too and who are right. calling out Pandora on socials and have us on their website and are really driving traffic there and are using AMP. Um, you know, all those things are things that we see and look at as well. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's something that gets overlooked, uh, those individual DSP shout outs and, and how important that really is and to drive traffic to one to one place sometimes and outside of the link trees and, and feature FM links that everyone uses. Those are great landing pages, but like it is still so important to just drive traffic to one place. And I know that's important for for you and your role. So yeah, it's something we also we also always include and, and mention to our artists when uh, when they're releasing. Um, so an artist gets playlisting and they get some big station ads um, outside of the basics, you know, pushing on socials, email blasts, like we've talked about. Um, anything within the Pandora platform that they can do? So again, like audio liners, uh, anything else that they should be aware of to just help, help continue to promote those sorts of features within the Pandora ecosystem? Yeah, I think if you're starting to see programming placement on a specific track, whether it's a playlist or a station, um, take a look at AMP and see what you have running on that song. Do you have an intro liner? If not, it's a good time to add one because it looks like that song is going to see, you know, an increase in streams now that it has editorial placement. Um, maybe looking at a featured track timing. Have you featured it yet? If not, maybe you should feature it in the next couple weeks as it starts to get, yeah. you know, bigger placement and more, more streams. Um, so I definitely think when you start to see a song get editorial placement, go in and look at what you have running on it and what you can do around it. Can you add a liner? Can you feature it? Um, obviously, again, socials, pushing your audience there to hear it. Um, those are all good things to look at. Cool. Yeah. And again, another, another plug for the AMP playbook. It's something I've spent a lot of time with and, uh, and we share. So yeah, that's ampplaybook.com, right, is where artists should go. And there's tons of information resources on all of these uh, features that they can take advantage of once they have that access. Yeah, and I should also mention too, in Next Big Sound, um, mm -hmm. there's a red follow button 
on your profile. It's in the top left corner. And if you hit that follow button, that's how you'll get email notifications if your song has been programmed. So if you're added okay. to a playlist or a station, you'll get an automatic email notification letting you know. So that's a, a great tool to utilize as well in Next Big Sound. Great. Yeah, really helpful to know. Uh, heading into just the last segment here, just some questions that we've gathered from artists, managers, and some labels we work with. Um, the first one we have, so if a release has been out uh, for weeks or even months, but say it hasn't received any sort of uh, editorial features, sta uh, stations or playlist ads, um, is it possible it could still be picked up if it's been out a couple months? Uh, and if so, you know, what's, what's most valuable in, in the consideration at that point? You know, is it, is it one big, you know, one big item like a TV performance or, you know, some real radio traction or the further removed from a release date? Are there a number of factors that sort of are a checklist for, uh, for you and your role that need to be considered before like going in and adding a track? That's a question we get pretty often from a lot of our clients. Yeah, I definitely, there's absolutely potential to still get editorial placement after the fact if you don't get it on release week. Um, so I definitely don't want people to be discouraged there. And I would say on and off platform, both places, um, yeah. we're looking at music. So we're going to be looking on platform and see if something's raising its hand or standing out. You know, did an artist show up on predictions or trendsetters? Is the song reacting? Is there, you know, data behind it that's standing out to us and we might go and program it? Um, our curators might add it to stations or playlists that it wasn't in before, or maybe they didn't program it right away and they right. see the reaction on platform. So they give it some editorial placement. Um, and then off platform too, maybe a song is going viral on TikTok. Um, and that's how it catches, you know, our curators eyes. So it, they're definitely looking everywhere. I think on and off platform, there's always the, that ability to make noise um, with a release, even if it's, you know, weeks or months for however long removed from its release date. I think maybe the only thing you would miss out on would be like a new country now, like a new release playlist right. opportunity if it released a month ago and is discovered and edited and programmed later. Um, but really, yeah, no, there's absolutely still that chance. So I don't want people to feel cool. discouraged if they don't get that. Yeah placement right out of the gate. That's really helpful. I mean, we, we, we get, you know, on release day, everyone has that excitement and anticipation and everyone wants to see a whole ton of support and playlisting come through right out of the gate, you know, on that Friday on the release. Um, but, you know, we know it's a long game and as long as you've got the right strategy, you know, we always tell our clients, you know, be patient. You know, we really believe that if things grow, especially organically with the track and if you have a team around it as well with PR or radio, whatever, that's great as well. If there's some traction off platform and some other places, but yeah, we say if the track's going to perform well on the platform, usually, usually it ends up finding its way, I believe, right. To playlists or, or stations. If, uh, if people are giving it the thumbs up and, uh, you know, sharing on social. So that's something I know that that is paid attention to. Cool. Uh, a couple more questions here. Um, so do curators and editors want to hear specific suggestions uh, for playlists or stations in their pitches? So this is something we get a lot of feedback when someone's sending marketing drivers in. And, and it's helpful sometimes for us just to really dive in and understand the music. But a lot of times they'll, you know, artists or clients say, hey, can you please reach out to this person and see if they'd consider this for like this very specific playlist? Um, is that something in your role that, that you appreciate or, or, or something you prefer to, to not hear about and just like would rather listen to the music, spend time with the marketing? drivers that are submitted and then you know determine uh, whether or not and where um, it could it could be placed it's such a tough one because really everyone is so different right certain yeah. curators might love that certain curators might not I think for me 
and for our team, I think we're always very open to hearing those suggestions. You know, the artist and their teams know their music so well. Right. Um, they might have a suggestion on where they think it would be a great fit. I think the most important piece there would then maybe not to be hung up if a curator programs it somewhere other than where you right. recommend it. Um, but in my opinion, I think suggestions are helpful and, and honestly kind of shows that you know our platform. Um, but my advice there would be if you are going to suggest a playlist or station, make sure that that playlist or station is the correct one for the platform you're emailing. Right. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, that's really helpful. We, we do get that, like I said, feedback a lot, just asking, we really think it's so perfect for this, you know, specific playlist. Um, is that information you can share with your, you know, with your contacts and, and your reps? So um, that's, that's really helpful to know. So thanks for that. Um, last, that on too. Like when, when people are suggesting places to us, we'll yeah. make sure the suggestions get to our, curators and, and we'll hear that information. Cool. Great. That's, that's really helpful to know. Last question. Um, what can fans and or artists of Pandora expect uh, to come in 2020 that they should be excited for? Oh gosh, I feel like there's going to be so many great things coming in 2021. Um, I can't talk about all of them yet probably, but I know this year, one of the biggest um, initiatives we had was launching modes. So modes are basically a further curated listening experience on mm -hmm. our stations. So if you're on today's country, we now have a female voices mode that you could listen in that is going to amplify female artists and play female. Yeah, really cool. Um, if you're on our 80s rock station, we have a crowd favorites mode or a deep cuts mode. So you can decide like, do I want to hear the hits and songs that I know or yeah. do I want to discover and listen in discovery mode or deep cuts mode. So this has been a huge launch for us. We're very excited about it. So I think 2021 is going to have a lot of larger initiatives um, around those modes with artists and I'm excited for those. Um, yeah, that's cool. It seems like a really unique, unique feature. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. And it's been fun to watch those get built out over the last uh, few months. Um, we just launched a today's country Christmas mode that we're excited about. So it'll be great for Christmas music and things like that too. Cool. Uh, and then I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see when touring comes back and what that looks like. Obviously this year has been interesting for everyone in terms of shifting right. things. We did a lot of virtual events and live streams in kind of a variety show format that we were, went really well. We're very excited about. We did ones with Kane Brown and the killers and Charlie Booth. Um, so I think going into 2021, we'll have more virtual events and variety style events in that lane that will be exciting. And then hopefully pivot back to real live in-person shows yeah. at some point, but hopefully, yes. so, so it'll be great. 2021, I think we'll have a lot of fun things to look forward to. Cool. That, that all sounds great. Well, um, I think this information was really helpful. So uh, again, ampplaybook.com, tons of great, tons of great tools there. And, uh, well, thanks so much, Lena, for joining, speaking to us about Pandora and, uh, yeah, we look forward to, to seeing you soon. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Have a good one. Hey, David. Hey, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Good. Um, welcome. Thank you for, uh, joining us for virtual music industry sessions this year, 2020. Um, very virtual <laughs> at the moment. Um, I'm AJ Alvarez. I'm a member of Symphonic. I am the director of LADAM Marketing.
Today we have David Ecker, who is a member of Spotify's US Indie team. Uh, he works with artists and labels to maximize their presence on the platform. He has been at Spotify for six years and was previously a member of the US Majors team, the artist management team, and the artist services team. Uh, I think it's safe to say that David knows Spotify pretty well. Um, he's based in New York uh, and he's also an avid jazz pianist and composer. I can safely say and personally have had the, the pleasure of hearing you play and I think that it's wonderful. So glad to have you here. We're really excited also um, that you have such not only an inside perspective, but you also have the indie artist perspective that you can give us too here. Um, I know we only have uh, 15 minutes, so I'm going to jump right in. Uh, since so many are already familiar with the platform, I want to discuss discovery in relation to playlisting. I believe that we can all agree that the focus on radio spins in the industry in the past was driven by where we believe the audience first encountered a song. That focus right. is to playlists over the past few years, as there seems to be this misconception that it's the driving force of music discovery at present. What are some of the lesser known areas of discovery on the platform and how can artists ensure that they're maximizing on their abilities to reach fans in those spaces? For sure. So I think just for starters, um, to state the obvious, playlisting is a very important way um, or a very, I would say, convenient way of reaching a lot of people uh, very quickly. Um, I think that, you know, not acknowledging that is, is doing a bit of a disservice um, to, to, uh, to artists, but I also think it's not the only way. Um, and I think that, you know, when you, when you make it on a playlist, um, it is not the golden ticket that a lot of artists uh, and, and labels, uh, quite frankly, sometimes think that it is. Um, it's really important when you make it on a playlist or when you don't make it on a playlist to have a devoted, dedicated, uh, lean forward fan base that will actively seek out your music, um, whether or not uh, it continues to be on playlists or, or was on playlists in the first place. Um, so that being said, I think that some of the actions that, that artists can take, um, you know, the most powerful action in, in my opinion uh, is the follow button. Um, it's not only one of the stickier actions in the sense that people rarely unfollow artists, right. um, but it's also an action that uh, directly impacts things like release radar inclusion um, and discover weekly inclusion, uh, as well as some of the radio features on Spotify. So, you know, making sure that your fans are hitting that follow button um, are making the, the leap from other social media platforms uh, to Spotify uh, is a really powerful way that artists can build their fan base, whether or not they're on a playlist. Definitely. You actually touched on something that's, you know, an interesting trend and not only a trend, but a, a cornerstone of artist marketing, and that is socials and how that impacts, you know, getting fans and activating them you know, bringing them to the content. It's, and it's a whole different line of discovery um, that exists. You know, how are you seeing indie artists successfully activate their fan base on socials, be it, I, you know, IG or TikTok or, you know, Facebook even? Um, and what are the tools that Spotify has to integrate so that 
fans, it makes it a little bit easier for the artists to get their, their fan base over to their Spotify page or to their content there, of course. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, first off, as you mentioned, Spotify works very hard to uh, create integrations that makes that that make that transition seamless. Um, so, you know, one of one of I think the the best integrations we have is is with Instagram and and you know the ability to link out uh, from Instagram Stories to Spotify to a Spotify artist page to a Spotify playlist or or an album, um, and this is in the in the share menu you know of any track playlist artist um, it gives you the option to share to spotify stories and you know this is a way to use spotify i'm sorry use instagram stories uh to link uh back to spotify without needing to have a verified instagram profile or have a certain number of followers uh as required to do the the swipe up uh you know functionality so i think that's that's something that we really uh work very hard to create and I think is is very useful. Um, same with Twitter, we have uh, Twitter audio cards where you can embed um, and listen uh, directly from from Twitter. I think, you know, with with platforms, newer platforms like TikTok, it really is in some ways the wild west because a lot of artists and labels are seeing music blow up on the platform and thinking, well, well what does that mean, right? How do I how do I translate that not only to, you know, uh, Spotify streams, but also, you know, ticket sales um, when, you know, God willing, we can we can all go out to, to shows again. Um, I know I, I miss them immensely. Uh, you know, so I think that I think that artists and, and labels are saying, well, what does this mean? And I think that Spotify is in a very beneficial and, and lucky position, uh, you know, fortunate position where uh, artists or rather fans um, hear a song on TikTok and immediately think, okay, I'm going to go look that up on Spotify. I'm going to go listen to the rest of the artist's uh, music and, and catalog on Spotify. So I think that that happens to a certain degree automatically, but I think it also uh, is incumbent upon the, the artist and, and the label and, and the artist's team uh, and distributor to, you know, call that out to say, hey, you know, um, you like this track? You've heard it on TikTok? Listen to uh, the rest of the music on Spotify. You, you actually touch on something that I'd like to go back to for the artists who are watching. Um, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is your marketing drivers. What are you actually doing to, um, to activate your fan base, to have people listening to your content? Um, I know that you have this conversation all the time because we always have this conversation. You know, what are the strong drivers that we could be sharing um, from our artists. You know, I think there's this misconception that like, hey, we're going to be going to radio and that's like where it stops. You know, I think there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot more than just one or two things that you can be doing. There's so many things. Um, so what are the, what are some examples of good, strong marketing drivers? I think the, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest way that artists can um, pick the right marketing drivers, because that's really what it's about. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Different marketing drivers and different, um, you know, different facts and figures and, and statements uh, and pitches work for different folks. Um, you know, not only within the broader ecosystem, but within Spotify. And I think that the biggest thing that an artist can do is 
the actual the actual research piece and the listening piece and and building that intelligence you know that um, information around well what will be the best drivers for this circumstance what are the what are the opportunities that I am uh, you know that I'm positioning myself for and I think uh, by the way that is beneficial not only when pitching uh, for opportunities like um, you know marketing or uh, press but also uh, when thinking about playlists and and you know pitching for playlists in in the Spotify uh, playlist pitch tool um, you know understanding the landscape understanding well if if I'm in this genre space or in this cultural space what what does the landscape on Spotify look like editorially you know what do these playlists look like? What are the opportunities? You know, um, if, if I'm pitching uh, for a playlist that doesn't exist, you know, maybe I need to rethink the way that, you know, that I'm pitching this and take into account what the ecosystem is like, what the landscape is like. Um, so I think that's actually the most kind of underrated, uh, uh, you know, advice that I would give to, to, um, finding your your proper drivers is actually do the research you know listen more than you more than you put out information actually absorb information um and you know see okay well what are the what are the opportunities that i'm pitching for you know if i'm pitching for a, a playlist that exists you know what kinds of things are featured on that playlist how can i make how can i position myself as an artist in a way that is similar to those other artists you know um if all of those other artists are massive on, you know, uh, social media or, or, you know, TikTok or whatever, then include those stats. If all of those other artists are, are artists that, you know, are um, artists that have been touring constantly and, and uh, you know, are big in the live space, uh, tout that part of your resume. You know, if, if all of those artists are uh, bedroom producers, you know, tout that part of your, uh, of your experience, you know. I think the data doesn't need to be raw numbers. It can also be um, how do I fit with the rest of the artists that exist in the space that I'm trying to position myself for. Yeah, painting the picture. I like that. Exactly. Um, you talk about positioning yourself as an artist. I think one of the stronger drivers, especially when I'm trying to position an artist in front of your team, of course, is you know what? Are, how are how active are they on the platform? What are they doing? Yeah. On Spotify itself, there are so many tools that artists can use to activate the audience. What do you feel like is the most underutilized tool of them all at the moment? Well, there's there's a few. I think you know one that I find pretty compelling is Spotify Codes. Um, it's a good way to bridge the gap between the physical world and the digital world. You know, you can put them uh, on merchandise, you can put them on vinyl, you can put them. Uh, on the stage, you know, again, when when we can all uh, go to concerts again, um, and it it is a great way to take that physical connection that a fan has with an artist um, in in the real world, in in physical space, and translate that into into streaming um, and into follows and and all of that. Um, I think another you know, uh, another few tools that might be a little underutilized, mainly because they're so new, uh, are 
our promo share cards. Um, this is a, a relatively new feature uh, that actually creates uh, professional looking assets uh, for artists to share when they're featured on playlists or to share their album or their artist page. And this is something that I think a lot of artists could really benefit from. I think a lot of artists put thought, a lot of thought and, and probably are uh, probably torture themselves sometimes about, well, which asset do I post, right? I want to I wanna show that this track has a certain number of streams or that it, it's gotten on this playlist. What do I post? You know, I only have so many photos of myself. I only have so many, you know, uh, pieces of cover art. What do I post? And I think that these share cards, these promo cards are, are a good way to do that. I think uh, likewise, you know, we have uh, this, this tool that's in beta called Canvas. Um, and you know this allows for eight-second loops behind uh, visual loops behind tracks on on the mobile app, and we can actually share that as artists um, to Instagram. Uh, not only you know not only how you used to have to do it, where you shared the file and linked to Spotify, but you actually can share the canvas and the and Spotify directly to Instagram. So that's another uh, another tool that I think is is underutilized. Probably the, the biggest opportunity I see for, for future growth in terms of artists really engaging with their fan bases is this new uh, tool that we've uh, launched called um, uh, called uh, you know shows with music and this is this is actually talk content um, that you can integrate music into so instead of when you used to have a podcast uh, you know licensing music for the podcast having it be a part of that podcast and not counting as a stream, uh, not you know, monetizing the same way that, that a song does. This actually puts songs that are on Spotify in your show. And you know, we, we launched that recently. I think that it's a powerful tool for artists to utilize. Any artist that is creating a podcast and, and uploading it through Anchor which is a, a recent acquisition of ours. It's a podcast distribution and creation tool. Uh, anybody that's uploading a podcast through Anchor can utilize this tool, can create a show, uh, and include music into it. And it's a great way to build context uh, around your music, a great way to you know, go behind the scenes uh, of an album, to talk about your creative process, uh, we've actually, you know, started experimenting with it ourselves uh, internally. We have some shows that we've launched, uh, namely uh, one called The Get Up with my colleague uh, X Jernigan. Um, also, Allison Hagendorf, who's our rock editor, our head of rock, uh, has a, a show called Rock This. Um, these are these are obviously big, you know, tentpole shows. But I think that the bigger opportunity for this tool is the more democratic one, and is the fact that any artist that is uploading a podcast through Anchor uh, and that is distributing music to the platform can create these shows uh, that mix music and talk. I think there's a lot of opportunity for labels there too, because you know labels so much like content. They tend to you know, focus in on a certain genre or a certain sound, and this is such a great opportunity, especially for the indie labels, to be able to just find a way to put these sounds together, you know, and even reinvigorate catalog. There's so many different options. Um, I, I keep calling it radio re-envisioned just because there's so much control for the, the listener themselves. Um, but I love the, the opportunity that exists there um, for indie artists and labels. That's really great. So we have one minute. 
Last question. Okay. Yes. Um, 2021. Do we have anything to look forward to that you can share anyway on the Spotify platform? Oh man, yes. I mean, the answer is always yes. Yeah. Uh, I think when you think about 2021, I think no one could have predicted what would happen in 2020, right? And and I'm not going to pretend to be someone that can predict what will happen in 2021. I, I hope it's I hope it's better. Um, <laughs> needless to say, but uh, yeah, I mean we're we're constantly testing um, new features, constantly you know growing the tools that we already have, growing their accessibility. Um, I think that you're going to see you know some of these expression tools. Uh, that are in testing, um, you know, roll out more broadly. I think that you're going to see more adoption of this, um, you know, music uh, shows with music format. Um, I think you're going to see uh, more musical artists creating podcasts as well and, and kind of cross-pollinating uh, those audio experiences in a really compelling way. Um, um, and you're going to see artists be able to engage with their fans in, in a more meaningful way. Um, I think that those are the kind of macro things that I, I would look forward to as a, as a member of the Spotify team and also as, a, as an independent artist. Um, I think that, you know, God willing, again, we will also have a return to live music, which uh, as, a, as a fan is something that I am very eagerly awaiting. Can't wait, honestly. Well, no, they Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you talking with us. I think everything that you brought to the table has been very helpful for indie artists. I think everyone, uh, everyone from that angle as well, or that part of the audience definitely thanks you for being here today. So many thanks, David. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me.